Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Today's show is all about hot sauce, that is a condiment made to make your food spicier, and we can't talk about hot sauce without talking a little bit about the history of chili peppers. So people have been using chili peppers to make their food spicy for thousands of years, uh, initially in Mexico and Central America and South America, where we know them today. Uh, they were using chili peppers over 6,000 years ago, uh, and then obviously after the Spanish and Portuguese made their way to this part of the world in the 1500s, they brought all of that back to Europe and Africa and Asia with them. Since people tend to like things that taste good and make their food a little bit more interesting, it really took off. And one of the first commercially available bottled hot sauces in America opened in 1807 in Massachusetts. There's not a lot of early brands of hot sauce that still exist, but Tabasco sauce, which you probably would recognize from your like local grocery store, actually started in the 1860s and obviously still exists today. There are tons of different ways to make hot sauces. Some of them are thicker, some of them are thinner. They might be more watery, they might be more pepper-based. A lot of the time there's like vinegar in them. The the thing that is most consistent is the presence of some form of chili pepper. Obviously, uh there are tons of different kinds of chili peppers. Uh some as, you know, gentle, I guess, as the jalapeno and some as ridiculous as ghost peppers and and Trinidad scorpions and things of the like. Uh, we're going to get into different kinds of hot sauces that exist today a little bit as well. Uh, but I'm curious to know if you are listening to this and you have a favorite hot sauce, please tell me all about it on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod. <laughs> Maybe we'll still be on Twitter when this episode comes out. I don't know. We'll see. It seems to be, uh, you know, going a certain direction. But we're going to save that kind of spicy content for another time and today focus on the hot sauce kind of spicy content with our equally spicy guest. Let's get into it. So our guest today on No Bad Food is Dalton DeShane, a horror writer, musician, and podcaster based out of New York. Their new EP, Cemetery Sunset, is available now wherever you stream good music, and their extremely cursed project, The B69s, is also a thing. Of course, maybe most immediately relevant to you as a podcast listener, Dalton is also a co-host of Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe, a podcast that aims to slowly but surely create an MCU-style universe of monster movies. Dalton, thanks so much for joining me on No Bad Food. Thank you for having me, and thank you for such the thorough uh, introduction. Um, I have so many projects to to juggle that uh, I'm I'm impressed that you kind of got them all in one. I uh, I do what I can to to make introductions like good and thorough. You know, mm-hmm. it was very very professional. Good, good. I try to have an air of professionalism here as much as I can, so that people assume I'm a professional, and then. <laughs> can find out the hard way that i'm not you're a professional if you say you are yeah you know let's go with it's that. like you know you're a writer if you write you're a professional podcaster if you podcast exactly that's it that's the spirit uh speaking of podcasts all right let's talk a little bit about the dark universe tell me about this what kind of monsters are we talking here you got you got like uh frankensteins you got some mummies yeah so we're we we have some strict rules on this so i don't know people may not remember most people i talk to don't remember this but in 2017 universal studios tried to make their own mcu they announced the dark universe which was going to be a a interconnected universe of movies starring their universal monster characters so yes frankenstein the mummy the creature from the black lagoon dracula um the wolf man the invisible man um and they made one movie with tom cruise called the mummy and it was so bad and bombed so terribly that they just canceled the whole project even though they announced a cast for like future movies they had a whole phase one slate 
And they just canceled it because the first movie was so bad. Oh, no. So on the podcast, we imagine, like, what if it had continued? And we take the first movie as gospel. We have to use the Tom Cruise mummy movie as our jumping off point. But then we have to continue from there and fill in all the other movies. And so basically every episode, we go back and forth and one of us will pitch the other person on the next movie. We do it like very, we do a full plot breakdown, beat by beat, scene by scene. We cast it. We choose a director. Um, it's it's very thorough. Uh, it's very silly, but we we commit to it and try to make like, what if we had to make this good? Right. What if we had to make a version of this stupid idea that actually worked? So yeah, that that's the gist of it. I love that. I love a project that like takes itself seriously even in the silliness of the premise you know because you have to have that you have to you have to be willing to go all in with something like this oh my god yeah i mean so this friday as we tape this um we're set to tape our phase one finale which is going to be our avengers crossover you know all the (laughs) monsters in one movie and I cannot express how we we scripted a film in the last two weeks. Dylan and I have had a shared Google Doc where we have written a full script for a feature length film. And we are going to have a cast of our friends playing the different parts. We we went all out for the phase one finale. Like you're going to get a full audio drama of uh this monster franchise crossover thing so uh it's it's gonna be a nightmare to produce and put it all together but i'm really excited that sounds incredible i i am also excited i uh, i'm looking <laughs> forward to to hearing that i love a good crossover you know you need like it needs to be done well but i think uh i think a movie is the perfect place for it i don't know i this is not a profound statement. It's been a long day for me, folks. Uh, to, to peel back the curtain a little, I started at work like 12 hours ago. Then we had some friends over for dinner. Uh, but also, I woke up this morning to Toby, uh, my, my four-year-old, snuggling with me, which was nice. Um, but then when he decided the snuggle was done, he got up by pushing himself up with his elbows, except one of them he put straight into my throat. Oof. So I, I'm having a day, folks. I'm having a day. And my profound thought about cross over is, is that <laughs> WB, the CW, there we go, the CW mm-hmm, yeah. Arrowverse crossovers are never good because they, <laughs> they try to make them like a thing you have to watch like six episodes of TV for. And I don't, I don't want to do that. I would rather watch a movie about mummies and, and moth, Mothra. Uh, we, I don't, I don't think we have the rights to Mothra. Okay, we, we are gonna get crazy that we're diving. We will end up diving into Universal IP and really just anything that Universal owns will will eventually be part of our universe. There was a video game. This is a deep cut in like the two thousands. I think it was a PlayStation game mm-hmm. where you were on, you were a kid exploring like Universal Studios like lot, you know, like the or like the theme park or something. And it was a bunch of mini games set in various properties. And I think Woody Woodpecker was there, and I think the Jaws Shark was there. Will they be making an appearance? Can I tell you something about that video game? And you can cut this out if this is not appropriate for your podcast, if this is uh, if this is too spicy. I lost my virginity to the pause screen of that video game. <laughs> oh, no. no <laughs> that that's, is a true story. That's staying in. If, if that's okay with yeah. you to have on a recording, then that's sure. staying in. Because uh, that rules. It's one of the worst video games ever made. It is widely considered one of the worst video games ever made. I played it because... I was a big fan of the Universal Studios theme park, which is what it was based on. And at one point, me and my partner at the time, we we paused it and we had been dating for like a year or so. We were 18 and we just kind of paused and we were like, we were in my parents' basement and I believe they might have even been upstairs and we were like, why not now? And um, unfortunately, that's the story I have now about that event in one's life. So wild that you brought it up. We're getting deep. This is some Mark Marin stuff right off the top of the show. That's I'm I'm so I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say Universal has been part of my life for a long time and uh, in many profound ways and only one of which is the podcast. Sure. So so just going off the Universal Studios theme parks adventure for the Nintendo GameCube 2001. Uh, we got Back to the Future, we got Jaws, we got Jurassic Park, E.T., and maybe most exciting to me, uh, The Wild Wild West. Which I don't, which was not actually an area at the Universal Studios theme park, I don't believe. Uh, every minigame was unplayable. 
Yeah. There was like maybe one, maybe the Jurassic Park one you could like play. Everything else was just, oh man, it was, I mean, you would, you would basically have to stop it to have sex because you don't want to keep playing it. Like what else were we supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's a word of advice to you guys listening at home. If you're looking to have sex and, and you're trying to find a good like icebreaker for it, nothing better than a bad video game. Exactly. Let's go back even further than the day, the fateful day you lost your virginity to your Universal theme park video game. Let's go back to your childhood. Let's go back to how you grew up, what you grew up eating. Paint us a picture of yourself and your relationship to food. And, you know, what foods did you have sex after eating, <laughs> uh, especially? No, I mean, you know, we always like to get our guests to kind of contextualize themselves. Of course. Yeah. So, so tell us about your food life. My food life has changed a lot. Uh, throughout the course of my life. Uh, I grew up in a suburb in Michigan. Lansing? You a Lansing person? Uh, a, a suburb of Lansing, yeah. Hey. So I grew up in a suburb of Lansing. <laughs> and I don't know if it, it was that my parents just didn't take us to many adventurous places or if it was just like in the 90s, there weren't as many like ethnic food options, you know? But like basically like I grew up on like, you know, your Applebee's, your Texas Roadhouse, your, you know, Bennigan's like um, and like similar food at home. Just very American, you know, just sandwiches and hot dogs and burgers and that kind of stuff. Sure. And I thought that was all there was to food. And then I moved to New York City and I have like (laughs) been slowly uh, over the past 10 years in New York City been like expanding my palate. My my most recent ex, uh, like all she eats is Asian food and I like Asian food, but like I'm also like a very uh, shy person when it comes to trying new things. Mm, And so a lot of it's times it's just like, well, I I haven't known what to order, you know, and so I need someone to kind of guide me. So that's why it's been kind of a slow process. But now yeah, I mean, now now my palate's a lot wider, but it's funny because when my parents come to visit, they're still very not as adventurous. And um, like my dad's whole thing is like, he always just wants a beer and a burger. Where sure. can I just go and get a beer and a burger? <laughs> and like one of the early times they came to visit me, we were like wandering around in like probably like the West Village somewhere, like somewhere where there was food everywhere. Sure. And we were yeah. starving. Like it'd been like, we went to a museum or something, you know, it was middle of the afternoon. We haven't eaten anything all day. We're starving. I keep put, pointing out restaurants. I'm like, oh, we could eat there. We could eat there. My dad's just like, nah, nah, I just need, I just want a beer and a burger. And it's like, okay. And finally, Finally, he's like, oh, this place looks perfect. And we go into this restaurant that is in the lobby of a Holiday Inn Express. Sure, sure. And that is where we ate on my parents' big trip to New York City. Like, maybe like the second time they came to visit. Like, I'm I'm in Manhattan sitting in a Holiday Inn Express uh, lobby that they're not staying in. Right. Uh, just like, oh, this restaurant looks good was the, was the impetus. So that was kind of the food culture I grew up in was sure. just, where can we go to get a beer and a burger? Yeah. I mean, you know what? Fair enough. Like, there's nothing wrong with a beer and a burger, you know? No, absolutely not. I love. I still love a good burger. And I-, I will admit, like, some of the times, like, we have gone out to eat and tried something new. It hasn't always gone well. Sure. Like, uh, the most recent time they were in town, we were in Williamsburg, where I live now, and we're walking around, and there's an Italian place. And it's like one of those like old school Italian places, sure. you know, where it's like, it's not like an upscale Italian place. It's like Italian families that like, you know, like literally we walked in and they had pushed all the tables. There was a table of like 30 Italian people just like yelling and like having the time of their lives. So we're like, oh, this looks legit. This is great. So, and my parents, of course, will eat Italian food. That's like within their sure, comfort yeah. zone. Spicy white. Exactly. And we're looking at the menu and they have this big menu and everything has a description of what the item is, except for an item that just says linguine crab sauce. Okay. And my dad and I both gravitate because I'm like, I, I figure it doesn't have a description because it, it's probably linguine with like a white sauce with some crab meat in it, right? That's sure. what I would assume. So we both order it. And what comes out is a bowl of dry linguine on top of which they have placed an entire crab in the shell and then they have covered that crab with marinara sauce and <laughs> we we both get this and we're we're just <laughs> staring at this they didn't give us any crab tools 
because uh, it takes a lot to get into a crab. And so the waiter sees us just kind of staring and comes over and is like, do you need the, the tools for... And we're like, yeah. And he goes, I'm sorry. The regulars just bite into it. I I don't know what to say to this man. This is an animal which is evolved over millions of years to not be able to be bitten into that's its primary defense mechanism is that you can't bite into it i mean i think you should know about italian people is that they actually have notoriously powerful teeth they've they've overcome the the evolutionary block i guess because they're just but and so we get the little tools but it's already hard enough to open a crab in general let alone one covered in marinara sauce so I get like a bite out of an arm and I'm like uh, okay this I'm I'm done. Also the marinero was not great. It was sure. not you went, I was expecting like a homemade family mar- you know like it tasted canned but okay. more more important than that is just this was the most impossible meal I've ever seen. <laughs> That feels like a joke. Like, that feels like something they put on the menu to mess with people. It feels like a prank was planned on us. It feels like a prank. I've talked to Italian friends. I've been like, have you ever heard of this? And, like, no wonder the the thing didn't have a description, linguine, crab sauce. Those are the three ingredients. It was linguine, <laughs> crab, and sauce. In that order. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> it was just a, a a stack of those items. Did you miss the commas um, in the... In the- <laughs> I, I, I must have, yeah. <laughs> Linguini, comma, crab, comma, sauce. Wow. I, I We must have got, gotten pranked or, or something because it's... If anyone out there has ever heard of this dish, please tell me how to eat it. That's incredible. So, like, I work at an Italian restaurant and... <laughs> I can't tell you how bad I want to like bring this idea to my boss and see what he thinks. <laughs> it was so I don't I don't blame him for just being like, hey, where can I get a beer and a burger? Yeah, because you know what? You don't know what other restaurants in New York City you're going to go into and just be served a crab with some sauce on it on top of something hard. You never know. Yeah. You just never know. Stay vigilant out there, people, because the linguine crab sauce is out there. Are there any universal monsters that are crabs? Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon gets close. There was a series of pulp horror novels, I want to say in the 80s, about crabs that were, it was like, you know, there were there was a big wave of pulp horror novels that were all about animals. There was like rats. Mm. There was, you know, like it, everyone, it, they were all capitalizing on Jaws. Like what sure. if we just took a different animal and made it the bad guy? Um, and one of the best ones is crabs. And you can look this up online. I can't remember the name of the book, but like the fourth one in the series shows a giant crab holding a knife over like some like woman's body that he's i think it's called the final sacrifice it's called like crabs the final sacrifice or something like that oh it's uh, Um, crabs the human sacrifice yeah and you can see a crab holding a knife between its pincers which seems redundant but hey it may be that lady's italian and she's strong against (laughs) crabs That's my favorite Pokemon types are (laughs) crab and Italian. Italian, (laughs) The tagline for crabs, the human sacrifice by Guy N. Smith is uh, the sea can't hold them. We can't stop them. They're here to kill. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds And they have knives. You know, I was just realizing the other day that like the year's almost over and I have to read five more books to keep up with my Goodreads annual reading challenge. Oh, yeah. So maybe I'll Mm -hmm. just tackle the crab series. Honestly, I bet they're a breeze to read yeah. because I'm sure they were written over like within a week span, you know, like and so hopefully you can just fly right through them and then tell me what the story do. <laughs> I the, it's the kind of thing where I'm like, I wonder if they actually hold a knife in the book or if that was just the cover artist right. Wylan, you know, just yeah, under the dome on some shit. Well, I feel like historically anyway, like maybe not as much anymore, but like I feel like it used to be a lot more the case that like the cover art was just like a thing that the publishers would like pass off to someone and they would figure something out, like not having actually read the book. Right. So like I would believe it. Yeah. Oh, the title says crab and it says sacrifice. Okay. So we give them a sacrificial knife. Yeah. That's Great. it. They, Done. Next. They didn't bother to depict the next scene where God descends from heaven and tells the crab not to kill the woman. <laughs> the hand of God stops the crabs. That's actually why shellfish is trafe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What a a turn this took. (laughs) Guys, we're going to take a quick moment here to hop over to the mid-roll so you can find out about how you can support the show. And then when we get back, we're going to get into today's, like, big food topic. 
the BFT, if you will, the bun fungible time. <laughs> Let's go to the mid roll. <laughs> Ooh, spicy. Let's get to the mid roll, huh? Let's make it hot over here in the mid roll. Ooh, spicy. Pour a little bit of that Frank's red hot sauce on me today. Uh, if you're enjoying the show so far, I'm sure sh- I'm sorry, guys. It's we. It's a weird. It's a weird day. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of Noshvember, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There is literally no other way to turn zero into six. So if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. You may have heard me say the word Noshvember a minute ago. <laughs> if that sounded like total gibberish to you, uh, welcome to No Bad Food. Uh, Noshvember is our November uh, Instagram food photo challenge, I guess. Food post challenge. You could you could do reels if you want to. I'm not a reels person, but I get it. Uh, yeah, basically every day this month there's a different prompt and we're challenging you to post foods you know, photos of foods that fit that prompt. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I haven't managed every single day. So if you're only hearing about this now and going, but Tom, it's the middle of the month. How can I start now? Start now. You might, (laughs) if you started today and then successfully did every remaining day for the month, there's a solid chance you would end up posting more than I will. So like, you know, don't feel bad if you don't post every single day. I don't feel bad about not posting every single day, and I made this thing. Shout out to Greg Schultz, though, who has posted every single day. Uh, he is a champion. He is uh, <laughs> winning Noshvember, I guess. Is there a winner? There could be a winner. Anyway, it's it's a fun way to just kind of like hang out with the community, share recipes, post photos of food, kind of bump each other up a little bit and talk each other's food up. It's fun. If you like that idea, if, if you like that kind of thing, use the hashtag Noshvember, find us on Instagram at NoBadFoodPod. Check all of that out. It's fun. The only other thing to say here in the mid-roll is that, of course, we still have merch available for sale. So if you'd like to get a hat or an apron or a mug or a polo or anything with our logo on it, you can head to the merch link in the description of this episode and get some from our network's merch store, the Pod Cavern merch store. All right, that's it for me here in the mid-roll. Let's get back to the rest of my spicy, scintillating conversation with Dalton. Okay, folks, we're back from the mid-roll. We're going to learn about the second time Dalton lost their virginity. <laughs> and by that, I mean we're here to talk about something hot, something mm-hmm. spicy. Something even spicier than that story. Something that makes your your mouth water, makes your tongue go, ooh. Something that makes your eyes roll back in your head and your throat tickle a little bit. and makes every inch of your body just cover up in the little, little shavers. Uh, we're talking hot sauce today. You know, and we joke, but, like, there is... I think I was thinking about this before the episode and I'm going to go a little blue again. I didn't know if I was going to bring this up, but I was thinking about how there's something about hot sauces. That's like, and we'll we'll go deep, deeper. I, I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about hot sauces in general, but there is something about like experiencing the pain of a good hot sauce, but like in a way that is pleasurable and safe. Yeah. That is not dissimilar from BDSM. Yeah. In that it's like, you know, this hurts, but it hurts so good. And it allows me to engage with my pain receptors in a way that doesn't make me feel like my life's in danger. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's a very like, um, it's a safe pain, you know, mm-hmm. cause you yeah. hot, hot food, like spicy food. You don't, have by accident most of the time hopefully like i I guess maybe 50 50 but like you know you don't have a second bite of it you know by accident right 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 you you choose the spice to an extent right you you expect it you go back for more of it it's very much up to you how much you put yourself through it and like that is absolutely like analogous to like at least healthy practice of like kink and and bdsm things Certainly. Yes. If you are if you are in a BDSM relationship, if you feel just like you can say no to hot sauce and spicy food, you should be able to say no to your partner. So keep that in mind. Yeah. S- safe practices. Um also on the safe practices with hot sauce, don't put hot sauce anywhere near you when you're doing that. Yeah, don't combine the two. Yeah. Don't don't misunderstand what we're saying here. That's dangerous. Uh, they I mean <laughs> Oof, it's a UTI waiting to happen. Yeah, exactly. Universal theme. <laughs> I Yes. <laughs> so 
(laughs) How did did hot sauce come to you for the first time? You know, like, how did you lose your spicy virginity, I guess? You know, this is, it's another thing that came to me very late in life because I think growing up in my sort of safe little food bubble, I didn't really like spicy food. Sure. Um, I was like, why would I eat something that hurts? I don't understand that. Um, I want to eat something that is uh, pleasant, you know? Mm. Um, But for some reason, it's really just been over the last five years where I was like, and and this is going to be corny, but honestly, I think Hot Ones kind of helped. Okay, sure. Watching Hot Ones, I, I had a stretch where I was just like really into it. And it kind of made me want to be like, oh, I should try some of those, you know? And it's grown now to the point where it's like, I don't really think food has flavor unless it's hot, you know? Like, sure. I've become one of those people where right. I'm like, hmm, this is good, but it could be spicy. Right. Um, and uh, and that's, like, very new. I didn't used to do spicy anything, and now it's like put hot sauce on whatever you know yeah i mean it's interesting like um so so for any listeners who aren't familiar with hot ones it's a youtube series where they interview people and make them eat chicken wings coated in hot sauce it's like exclusively chicken wings right yes it's chicken wings or vegan wings and they every question they eat a progressively hotter wing right you know yeah yeah it's who wants to be a millionaire but with spicy chicken (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. And and like that obviously, you know, picked up in popularity a lot. Like people are really into it. Lots of celebrities have done it. Um, I have friends who have like bought the hot sauces that they use on the show because they sell the whole package now and you can like do it yourself at home. Uh, It's very cool. And, And I think like that kind of trend of eating hot stuff to like experience it like kind of as a game that goes back much further, right? Because, like, uh, a little while ago, we had Greg Schultz on the show and talked about, like, food challenges, love right? Love Greg. Where people love will, Greg. like, Greg's a, Greg's a man, I love Greg. That people will, like, you know, challenge themselves to eat, like, an entire pile of whatever. And, and a lot of the time, those will be spicy. And, like, that's kind of, like, a point of pride, right? Well, and there's the hot chip, right? There's, like, the yeah. single chip that's supposed to be, like, the hottest thing. Uh, I was on a podcast with my friend Don Cardenas, who had just done that challenge okay. and was, like, it was miserable. Sure. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, it's it can be a really, like, horrible experience, but then still kind of a fun thing to be able to talk about later, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I have in my fridge right now, I actually have a bottle of the hottest sauce on Hot Ones. Because okay. I was like, hey, I want to try it. And I did once try to, like, eat a meal with it, and it was... Oh man, that was painful. But I wanted to try and see if I can do it. Sure. The thing though is, that, like, it there's I'm okay with the really hot stuff as long as it tastes good. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are a lot of hot sauces that are meant to be punishing, and right. they are hot and also taste like acid. Yeah. Um, the hottest hot one sauce actually has a nice flavor. It tastes mm-hmm. like peppers and not just you know, you know, uh, gasoline. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Like people. That, and I think that's the reason people get scared of spicy food so often is because spice for the sake of spice is not exciting or good. It needs to be used properly. It needs to be just as much an ingredient as other things. And like, it has to actually build the flavor profile because otherwise it's just like, why would you bother? You know, like it's, it's not pleasant. It needs to still So this be is my thing. This is why, and this is controversial. I hate flame and hot. Things. Okay, <laughs> flame and hot is so popular right now. Every chip is now a variant on the flame and hot. Sure. I I tried. I went to uh, a party at um, Jaya Saxena from uh, Eater, I believe. Okay, and she had the flame and hot Mountain Dew can, and she was like, "I saved this for you. I heard you like trying fucked up soft drinks." And I was like, "Fuck, I'll try it." Um, but I, I the flame and hot stuff is everywhere, and I I can't stand it because. Yeah. Yeah, it's hot, but like it it tastes like a chemical. Yeah. Like there's not any kind of positive flavor to it. It's the same thing that's on like Takis. Like I yeah. can't I will eat them. Like they're not awful to me, but like I prefer a spice that tastes like a pepper. Yeah. Like I love jalapeno flavored things. I love habanero flavored things. Ghost pepper, like I love the pepper flavor with mm-hmm. the heat, not just like, okay, so you made like this like, you know, red dust that's like 
80%, you know, hydrochloric acid and, you know, makes your tongue feel bad. Right. So I, I, I like a pepper flavor. Flamin' Hot doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I get that. I, I think the problem is like a lot of the time with actual sauces that people have made out of these peppers, they tend to go too hard on vinegar. Yeah, it is a very vin- vinegary flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like vinegar is great. Don't get me wrong. I love vinegar. And I, you know, my family would roll in their graves if I didn't love vinegar. <laughs> but like, you can't make something that's just acidic or people are going to puke. Like, no, I don't want food that tastes like it's going to make me puke and, and too much vinegar is going to do that, you know? So one of the things that I think really helped me get into hot sauce is, you know, Hot Ones partners with Heatonist, which is a hot sauce store here in Williamsburg. Mm. Um, and so I would go there and they have a really great selection of hot sauces that all have different flavor profiles. Right. And that's such as uh, I've gone to like hot sauce, like novelty stores and like strip malls and stuff where like everything is just like. Uncle Pecker's butthole clencher, you know, like, and stuff like that. Like, or it's just like the devil's rectum, you know, and like every hot sauce is just meant to be the, and they all taste exactly the same. They're all just like vinegar and capsaicin and that's it. Whereas like, I like, I I usually have like no fewer than like 10 hot sauces in my fridge and they all are different flavors, different peppers, different combinations, you know, um, and I use them for different things, you know, and, and that I would prefer over just getting like hot for hot sake. Yeah, exactly. If you want to get hot for hot sake, boot up Universal theme park. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, but I get that. I, um, years before I got into podcasting years before hot ones existed uh, myself and longtime friend of the show Julian McKenzie had a YouTube show uh, where we would eat chili peppers and answer audience submitted questions with special guests uh, you did hot ones before hot ones much worse though hot ones has had production <laughs> value since day one we did not um, it was a good little place for us to like cut our teeth on you know hosting in a in a low stakes environment um, but yeah we would eat you know for every question we answered we would have a big plate of whatever hot peppers were on sale at my local grocery store at the time and like it's not a great it, it, like it was not a great grocery store didn't have like great produce or anything but had a weirdly large selection of hot peppers so like we got to like try a lot of different hot peppers and we you know never tried them in a pleasant way because biting directly into one's not a good time yeah but, those, that's like, painful it did create in me an appreciation for flavor of pepper right because like like you said like there are peppers that are peppery and there are hot sauces that taste like pepper and like that is like actually really good and really nice like and made me realize how much a lot of them just taste like green bell pepper a little bit yeah but like with burning (laughs) which gave me a greater appreciation for green bell peppers which you know also a lovely vegetable well i'm like you know i i uh one of the hot sauces i used to get i can't remember the company that made it but it was a blueberry ghost pepper okay sauce it was literally blue in color sure and it was really hot because it was ghost pepper so it was like it was pretty up there on the spicy scale but it had such a sweet fruity flavor to it and i would use it to make salad dressing right um i would mix it with like you know oil and honey and like probably some uh, vinegar. I don't know what I can't remember what I put it all, sure. but I would make a salad dressing that would cut down on the heat, so mm. it wasn't like crazy hot. Right. But you would get like a pleasant heat with like this blueberry vinaigrette, basically, um, and it was delicious. Um, one of my favorite hot sauces is made by uh, oh, they're called Butterfly Bakery of Vermont. Okay, and they make a maple wood smoked onion hot sauce. Okay, so it's like it's like I can't I don't remember what pepper they use, but they mix it with onions that they smoke on like a maple yeah, something yeah. and so it and it it's it's not a hot hot sauce it's very mild sure. and it's my like my go-to table sauce like it's the kind of versatile thing right. i will put on anything breakfast items especially but it's like oh just this like mapley onion pepper like that's what i'm looking for right. it like it's something that like really completely changes the dish you're having you know and like yeah. adds a lot of character well that's it and and i think that's what like that's the mark of a good hot sauce to me is one that like you can just keep on the table with the salt and pepper and it can just be a thing you add to stuff right and yeah and like you know we can knock like frank's red red hot and like tabasco and like the the kind of obvious ones that you see at diners but like there's a reason that they're at diners you know 
Like I don't knock those at all. In fact, yeah. I I really love them. My I, I think it's always important to have a good like basic table sauce on yeah. hand. You know, like whether it's Cholula or Frank's. My go-to right now is Texas Pete. I really love Texas Pete. I put Texas Pete on my macaroni and cheese. I think it's a great mix. Um, <laughs> like spice, uh, spicy mac and cheese is not something to be dismissed. That's good shit. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. It's so good. I put yeah, Mayor I, Pete I, on my mac and cheese personally. <laughs> and, and it takes all the flavor away. <laughs> Suddenly it's bland. It doesn't, it doesn't taste like anything to me. It's um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the, the, the classics are great. You know, the, your, your Cholula's, your Texas mm-hmm. Pete, your Frank's. I think Frank's was the first hot sauce I ever tried. Okay. It was probably Frank's. Yeah. I mean, probably it's <laughs> like, I feel like Frank's and Tabasco are on every table. Like one of those two or yeah. Sriracha. If you are going to like an Asian restaurant, it's one of those three or anywhere in Brooklyn. Like, I feel like sure. that is also just like the, the Brooklyn hot sauce is Sriracha, which actually out of all of them, I think Sriracha is probably my least favorite. Sure. Um, but I, I don't mind it. It's just, you know, um, not my favorite one of them. Yeah. I feel that. I, I think for me, honestly, my favorite at this point is just Tabasco, just like plain old Tabasco sauce. Like it's, it's a little, it's, which is funny. Cause I was just railing against sauces that are like really vinegary, but like, <laughs> you know what? It, it, it gets the job done. Every sauce has its place. You yeah. know, you don't want all your hot sauces to be vinegary, yeah. but you know, sometimes you want a good vinegary hot sauce, yeah, you know, that's it. Like the, that's what I want on my like eggs, you know? Mm, yeah. Like, I don't want something complicated on my eggs. I just want something to make my eggs taste less like eggs. See, one, the one I got here, I actually have, I brought a couple of hot sauces to put next to my desk so I could remember to talk about them. Mm. But Queen Majesty makes really great hot sauces. And they have this red habanero and black coffee hot sauce. Sure. Which I used to use over breakfast on like eggs and stuff. It's super hot. This one is like, you don't want to overdo it with this, but... Oh my God, the flavor on this. I love like pretty much any habanero hot sauce. Sure. I don't know what it is, but the habanero is a great flavor to me and like having the black coffee in there. It's, oh, it's so yeah. Good. When, when I used to have to eat regularly, when I, when I used to have to regularly eat whole hot peppers for fun, question mark, <laughs> habanero was one of the ones that like it hurts, but the flavor is really beautiful. I love a habanero. I like the the Nando's stuff. Sure. Um, for, uh, the Nando's stuff is good. And then I always got my bottle of Texas Pete in the fridge ready to go at any time. Is there anything that you have put hot sauce on that you like normally would not have thought to put hot sauce on, but said like, fuck it and tried it and it actually worked out? Um, Probably most things. Um <laughs> I mean, this isn't a weird one at all, but I've become a big uh, hot sauce on pizza convert. Sure. Um, do that. Um, hmm. I mean, the salad dressing was kind of a big one where I was like, I, mm. I don't know about putting hot sauce on a salad, sure. you know? Um, but, you know, it was like, it, it was a, a protein. It had like chicken in it and mm. stuff. And like, I was surprised at how pleasant that tasted, right. you know? I mean, for me, it's like, I'm a big sauce person in general. Okay. I like whatever I eat to have some kind of sauce on it. Um, well, I mean, this isn't technic. I don't know if this counts as a hot sauce, but let's not discount our good buddy horseradish sauce. Yes. Um, love a good horseradish. Yeah. And controversial opinion, as we're talking about more general sauces, Arby's horsey sauce, <laughs> I believe, is the greatest sauce that exists. Arby's horsey sauce is the top of my sauce rankings in general. Like like across the board. Across the board. Out of any sauce. I'm counting mayonnaise. I'm counting mustard and ketchup. I'm counting salad dressings. Any liquid sauce. Arby's horsey sauce. Oh, can't be beat. Okay. I it, maybe not as versatile as some sauces. Sure. I I wouldn't put Arby's horsey sauce on uh, salad, <laughs> um, but I, I I I truly love it. And they don't sell it bottled here. I know they do in some places now. You can get it bottled, but I can't I can't get it here in New York. So, uh, as a filthy northerner up here in in Hoserland, we don't have Arby's. 
Oh, wow. I'm guessing based on context clues from this conversation, horsey sauce is like a horseradish sauce. Yeah. It's like a creamier. It's it's kind of like a halfway between like a mayonnaise and a horseradish. Okay. And so it's uh, it's a little bit thicker and creamier than some sure. horseradishes, but it's got that. It's still got that horseradish heat okay. that you feel all the way up in your sinuses. That's great. Um, and uh, it's, it's really good. If you've never had it, next time you're in the States... Mm-hmm. Uh, priority number one get yeah. some arby's horsey sauce i mean like this is maybe a depressing statement but like going to arby's is not low on my list of priorities for the next time i'm in the states you know arby's gets a bad rap i think it is one of the top tier fast food chains i will fight anyone on this I, it's it's solid from from what i know of it yeah but so i'm just thinking about like i think i'm gonna challenge the idea that you couldn't put horseradish sauce on a salad and here's why. Dijon, right? Dijon mustard, uh, often prepared with horseradish. It is often a horseradish-based mustard. And you can mix that into a vinaigrette really, really nicely. That's true. And I, I also think of horseradish as going with a lot of uh, red meat. Sure. And you can have like a steak salad or, yeah. uh, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that's, that's completely out of the question. You know, it's not something you hear about often. No. But I could see it working. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm just thinking like horseradish has a nice kick to it, but like it's not going to destroy the flavor of everything else that you're eating. And if you're like mixing it in as like part of a dressing with other things, like I could see it being being really nice. Now, I don't know about the like given that the horsey sauce specifically sounds less like a Dijon, more like a horseradish mayo. Yeah, like a horseradish mayo that I guess you could do like a potato salad kind of thing with that but I don't know that I'd put a mayo on like a green salad. Ooh, that actually sounds good. A potato salad with, with horsey sauce. That sounds good. Yeah, right? Because like I like potatoes with horseradish. Like I, yeah. I will sometimes throw horse, like a, just a fucking pile of horseradish on a latka instead of, you know, sour cream or applesauce. Yeah. I'm like, forget it. Let's let's burn our noses here. And like that I like a lot. So why not a potato salad, right? Well, and there's so many ways that horseradish gets prepared, right? Like the horsey sauce is on the thicker, more creamy, mayonnaise side. Right. But you can get more just like pure horseradish, which yeah. would easily mix in with other ingredients in a salad better yeah. if used, you know, in smaller portions and stuff, because that can get really strong. But... Yeah. You don't want just like rings of it, just like chopped, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and to go back to the question of like, is there anything I... I that's surprising that I would put hot sauce on. It's kind of become my go-to because as a Midwesterner for many years, ranch was my go-to. Sure. I was a ranch on everything, ranch on mac and cheese, dip your French fries in it, dip your pizza in it, you know, like everything. And then, uh, well now I'm 32 and I, can't metabolize um, (laughs) that many calories as well anymore and I've had to and that's what I mean what makes hot sauce the perfect condiment is the flavor when when it's a good hot sauce but also zero to five calories maybe like it's not adding anything unhealthy and it it adds flavor at no cost right Right. that's like the, the cool thing is like so many times when you're adding like that really good you know, like mouth-watering flavor to something. It's also making it really unhealthy. Like it's like adding like butter and oil or like, you know, a lot of salt. I I don't know, but like it's not good for you. And it's like hot sauce fixes all those problems. It's it's all this flavor at at no no cost to you. And so it's kind of replaced ranch as like my go-to, you know, dip everything in this thing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I know for me, like a lot of the time if we're ordering like pizza or or chicken wings or something they'll give us the option for like two sauces you know like a lot of places are generous with it they'll give you two and like our local chicken place will give you like their house gravy which is great and a choice of either a like spicy buffalo sauce or a mild buffalo sauce that's like not spicy and just tastes like buffalo sauce without the like heat and that has become one of my favorite hot sauces because it's just a little spicy yeah but it has that like beautiful buffalo sauce flavor. And we haven't even talked about buffalo sauce. Buffalo sauce is so good. It rules. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what part of the buffalo they get it from, but it's delicious. <laughs> you don't want to know. Oh, that's what comes out when you milk a boy cat. <laughs>
I got to find a, more uses for for the buffalo sauce because buffalo sauce has become so tied to chicken wings. Yeah. It almost feels a little forbidden to use it outside of chicken. It's it's real nice with pizza. If you, like I've had it as the base for pizza before. Oh, interesting. I think there's a chain here that like has that as an option and they'll do, they you know, they, they have it as an option because they wanted to do a buffalo chicken pizza and then it was good and they were like, well, let's have this as an option for custom pizzas too. And like, that's really nice because especially with the cheese over it, like it, it dulls it a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's, that's the one for me that like, that's the, the kicker, right? It's like putting it there. You could do it on a sandwich too, I think pretty easily. But again, I think you need a protein with it. See, we have, we have Buffalo pizza here in New York, but usually what it is is like kind of a standard pizza and then we'll have chunks of like Buffalo chicken on it. Okay. And then they actually drizzle it in ranch dressing. Okay. Sure. Is the very common preparation. So there's, there's ranch on anyway and goddamn, is it good? Yeah. Um, it sounds incredible. One of my, one of my go-to pizza things. Um, I, I was very close to choosing Detroit style pizza as my talking point for this episode. But sure. I went with hot sauce instead, but yeah, Buffalo pizza. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Before we wrap things up, cause it is getting a little late here. Do you have any words of wisdom for people at home about like hot sauces? Any, any like nugget that you want to leave them with chicken or otherwise? I think if hot sauce is something that makes you wary, is to understand how wide of a field this is. Like, I feel like my conception of hot sauce even was either you're getting the the regular boring table sauce, and I say boring, but I still like it, but you're like, you either picture like the Cholula on the diner table or something that's going to make you want to throw up, right. you know, like that's like super <laughs> hot, you know, because like those are like kind of the two ways we talk about hot sauce. Either right. it's right there and you put it on your scrambled eggs or it's something that someone's doing as a challenge. Right. But like... There is such a wide breadth of hot sauce. I mean, from the heat scale, you know, to the flavors, as as I talked about, and also to embrace, you know, some of the, the pain of it. Because it's, again, give it a shot with, like, heat with flavor is a much different experience than heat for heat's sake, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you, if it's something that, that you're cautious about, just try some different options and you know don't just get you know uh the devil's firecracker or whatever you know they sell you know yeah uh, yeah you can get something that's a little spicier than diner sauce without it being something that's going to ruin your life well and i think that's what, what why hot ones made it accessible to yeah. me was because i realized for the first time oh there's sort of like gradations to this like i don't just have to dive in the deep end like i can start at one end i can start at the shallow end of the pool and just kind of wade in deeper and also like oh and there's so many different flavors like there's a lot here to collect and try and you know find my spot in it you know yeah um which i didn't realize before that that's it and uh, another little word of advice if you are experimenting with like going deeper into hot sauces right starting in the shallow going into the deep uh if you find yourself starting to drown i would advise practicing all these hot sauces with somebody else nearby um because you know if you start to drown in hot sauce they can give you mouth-to-mouth resuscitation uh, mm-hmm. And then you don't need to boot up Universal Theme Parks, the video <laughs> game. <laughs> but will they want to give you mouth to mouth when it's too spicy? Um, mm. That's that's it depends on how good of a friend they are. So yeah. a close friend. If I have to make a, I, if I can give a recommendation, if you can access, I don't know if you can order online, but hopefully Butterfly Bakery of Vermont, the Maplewood Smoked Onion Hot Sauce. Great starter sauce, not too hot, mm. beautiful flavor. Give it a shot. You'll love it. Greg, I know you're listening. Greg, I'm going to message you my mailing address. and uh... Greg might already... Yeah, Greg's probably on top of this. <laughs> Greg, do you know Butterfly Bakery? Let us know. Greg, tell us in the comments. Greg, what did you think of my virginity story? Greg, how did you lose your virginity? Tell us below. <laughs> Before I let you go, do you have anything you want to plug? Any places people can find you? I mean, I know you have stuff you want to plug. Your intro was like six minutes long. I know. <laughs> Where can people find you? What do you want them to check out? How do they check it out? You know, all those things. You can find me everywhere as Dalton DeShane. I'm the only Dalton DeShane in the world, and you can find the spelling, <laughs> I'm sure, in this podcast uh, description. Uh, I'm on all the spo- social media. Um, my, uh, I, I release music. Um, 
As was said, my new EP, Cemetery Sunset, is out now. It is a song cycle about a breakup told through different horror tropes. So there's like a haunted house song, a vampire song, a Mothman song, and it all tells a very sad story about a collapsing relationship. I do the B69s where I cover modern day pop songs in the style of the B52s. You can find that on TikTok and Instagram where it is slowly ruining my life by going too viral and ruining my notifications. Uh, So... You can go add to that. Um, I write a horror comic called Monocle, which is available on my Patreon, which you can get to at spooky.zone. Yes, I own spooky.zone, and that is where I live. Uh, So go to spooky.zone to find a lot of stuff. And finally, Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe um, is my podcast with Dylan Roth. We... uh, you can binge our first phase right now. There's uh, the fifth episode comes out. I don't know when this episode comes out, but the fifth episode is probably already out by the time you hear this. Um, and our big phase one crossover finale um, is coming around Christmas time. Uh, so please listen to that. Not the finale of the show, though, because we still got, I mean, we're going phase six. As, as far as M- the MCU goes, we're going with this show. So it's going to be a long runway for monster movies. And yeah, I think those are all of my projects. Just Google my name. You'll find me. Amazing. If Twitter is still alive by the time that you hear this, at Dalton DeShane, that is me. Perfect. Um, you'll find me. I do, I'm do. i not verified, and I will not be paying the $8 for a check mark. If you see a verified Dalton DeShane, it's not me. If you see a verified Dalton DeShane, it's probably Elon. <laughs> yeah. Elon wants what I have. He wishes. He wishes he was in the B69s. <laughs> he wishes he lost his virginity to the Universal Studios game. <laughs> he wishes he's he lost. Oh, no, he is like a lot of kids. Yeah, Never mind. He's got too many kids. Yeah. Hey, man, if you're going to be a parent, <laughs> better actually parent them. Hot take. That's, you know, that's <laughs> the first of things Elon needs to uh, resolve about his existence. Yep. And that brings us to the end of our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Do you want to tell us about your favorite hot sauce or which video game you lost your virginity to? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod and individually at TefferBear and at TomZalatni. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to Patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Gab, Thomas, Anne, Erica, Carlea, Andrew, Chantal, David, Mallory, and Sarah. Our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. So if that's exciting for you, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to make it happen. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends over at the Podcavern merch store. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Spicy Singles in Your Area Ingles, and our cover art is by David Gives a Whole New Meaning to Woody Woodpecker Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Pod Cavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. See you next week. You understand. It just takes a little time. No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. Hi, I'm Tefra Jemian, host and producer on the Yeah! Podcast. Join Yeah! as we dig into young adult literature, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA Lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah! Podcast, available in the Podcavern, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah!